Well, good morning. My name is Alex, and I serve as senior minister here at Knox, and it's my pleasure this morning to introduce the Reverend Dr. Wendell Gibbs, who is our guest preacher today. Wendell is pastor of First Baptist Church, Toronto, which is not located not too far from here, near the intersection of Spadina and Dundas, and he's served there since 2009. He's ordained with the Canadian Baptists of Ontario and Quebec. Wendell holds a doctoral degree with Christian Life School Theology from Atlanta and a master's degree from Tyndale University here in Toronto. Wendell is also a lead volunteer chaplain with the Toronto Police Services and a chaplain at Scarborough Health Network. Wendell also serves on the Canadian Black Clergy and Allies, a Christian community-based organization fighting racism. His most transforming ministry experiences have been missionary trips to Ghana, Nigeria, and most recently Rwanda and Congo. Wendell is married to Roselle, who's here this morning with him. Welcome, Roselle. We're so glad you're here too. And they have two adult children. Now, Wendell, if you want to come up here, I'm going to pray for you. And we, we've been praying for you because uh, there was a flight that was canceled and then there were a couple of delays. So Nick and I were going to draw straws, I think, for who, who was going to preach, but you made it. So, made it. so those prayers were answered. Thank you, sir. And you arrived at 2 a.m., so yes. I'll, I'll maybe put a little bit of extra. Well, um, I'm still um, sleeping. It's all right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I've seen you preach, so I, I doubt you'll be sleeping during that, but let me pray for you. Amen. <laughs> Dear God, we thank you for Wendell. We thank you that you have called him to preach your word. He is a servant of your word. And Lord, you've called all of us to listen, to trust, and to obey. And so we pray that you would empower the message that Wendell brings today from your scriptures. We pray that you bless him, his congregation, his family. We ask you to uh, speak to us through him. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Pastor Nick. And Ah, now we got power. Yeah. Thank you so much uh, for the wonderful introductions. I'm just a humble servant, and we recognize today uh, it's good to see just the wonderful hue of God's people today. And you online who are watching us as well, we're glad you can join us today. I am so proud to be, have been here before. So this is my first time. Now, maybe you don't recognize because I was wearing a mask a couple of years ago, all right? So it's good to see you now because I'm not distanced from you necessarily. We've got past the COVID stage. So it's good to be here with you as well. And today I want to talk about, because it's Black History Month, you know, we have this kind of a mixed bag between whether we should have it or not have it. And if you talk to Jean Augustine and you talk to Rosemary Sadler back in 1995, they started this whole movement to just give a place for a people group that for 100, 400 years plus has been marginalized. Now, we aren't the only one. So let's not make ourselves feel like there's one special people here. Every one of you is special in God's eyes. Isn't that good? You absolutely are. And in fact, all of you have black in you. Look at me and say, Pastor, what are you talking about? I'm as white as they come. I'm as brown as they come. Well, look at me. I'm black, ain't I black? Unless you go to Ghana and they call you Aborini. Unless I go to Rwanda and they call me Muzungo. Because it's always based on your eyes' perspective, isn't it? How we look and judge each other. Always on the outside of our persona. And not recognizing God's plan ultimately is who we are in his eyes. 
So if I can take you back to the Garden of Eden, then you'll understand my point here. Because if you go back to the Garden of Eden, that's where black people began. That's where brown people began. That's where Asian people began. If I am an offspring of Adam and Eve, then indirectly all of us are connected by the grace of God in some shape or form. So that means I have white in me, black in me, Indian in me, Chinese in me, Asian in me. But we don't see it that way because we're competing in this mortal world we're living in right now. Somebody say amen. And let me explain some of the reasons why. Because I was born to a black woman in Trinidad and Tobago. And I was also birthed by a a man, a father, who was birthed by a white Caucasian man from England and an Indian woman from Trinidad. That means I'm 50% black, 25% Caucasian, and 25% Indian. Hey, come on now. Only in Canada I'm called a black man all my life. But when I get elsewhere, they want to know who, who am I? Because I'm a mixed bag. Indirectly, every one of you are a mixed bag. And my story goes back to the 1920s because my father was birthed then when a, a plantation owner from England in Trinidad pregnated my grandmother behind his wife's back and booted her off the plantation. So I have no history of my grandparents on my dad's side because of the very reason why we have to recognize the story for all of us like a black history month. So Jean Augustine and Rosemary made it very clear that the intent was not so much to, 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 to brag about a month. It's to bring us into the expression of equality. Not better than, but equality, where we're all equal in God's eyes, in each other's eyes as well. And it's not just us, it's the indigenous people as well. If you hear from that community, we, we pray and, and, and support you as well for your plight, for that sense of freedom and liberation as well. So let me just take a few moments just to give you a perspective on where we are with this whole idea that my freedom freedom has really enslaved me. Look at your neighbor and say, my freedom has really enslaved me. See, y'all think you're free, right? Y'all are free right now, aren't you? Right? We're all pretty free. We can go about as we want, right? But do you know indirectly that you actually are enslaved if you are a follower of Jesus Christ? You absolutely are. But unfortunately, mankind took this perspective in the Old Testament and translated a couple of words that seemed to throw us off a little bit. But before I do, I went to Africa a few times. I've been to Africa probably about 12 times. Uh, not so much. The first time was just I find my identity. And when I did, I was shocked when they called me Aborini, white man. And then Rwanda, when I go there, they call me Muzungu. I was a white man. So when I go to Africa, I'm a white man. And when I come back here, you all don't treat me like a white man. Well... But I love who I am in Jesus. Because Jesus looks down and he doesn't see white, black, pink, blue, brown, yellow. He sees a sinner saved by grace. A human on a journey to be more like Jesus. And as a result, I went to Elmina Castle. And Elmina Castle, you might see the slide coming up just now, but Elmina Castle where I went is where the very first origination of black history and slavery began. Not, not black history, sorry, black slavery began. And in that, in, in that understanding, I'm not sure if they got the slides or not. If they don't, that's okay. But the Amina Castle where I went, I was just shocked to find out some of the stories that went on to a people group that was enslaved. Interestingly enough, though, they were enslaved and they were sent away in, in ships by force into foreign lands. Isn't it wonderful that they have the freedom now just to come and integrate into our society and to make our society a better place where we talk about refugees from all over the world. Where are they coming? They're coming here for a place of freedom, 
a place where they can find opportunities to live wholesome lives. And I think it's wonderful that we're at least pursuing, helping where we can. Our church was very involved since July of last year with the refugees from Africa that came right there on St. Peter's Street. We've given tons of stuff. My van was loaded with stuff on a regular basis just because of Jesus. Not for any other reason. We've given support to Afghanistan. We've given support to Iran. Other places like Saudi Arabia, in the Caribbean, other places in South America. And we do a mission work in Rwanda as well because of the genocide in 1994. We are now trying to help with, with healing with the generation that has come on to with some of the hurts and emotional pain to give them a place of knowing how they can integrate and be better as so citizens regardless of what the pain of your history is. Now, as we relate to black history then today, and as we talk about this story, right, we'll engage on the aspect and the meaning of what it means for us. So let me jump right away because in Elmina Castle, it's interesting, in the dungeon where they would chain the, 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 the slaves and they would take him out to the, to the back door. On the back door, it says, no return. The door of no return on the left-hand side. And I went there in 2004 and then they told me, walk out that door because it was the door of no return. And then they said, turn around. And I turned around. And on the outside, it says door of return. That sounds like Jesus, doesn't it? Where he left this earth, but he gave a promise that he will come again. And there's going to be a return for all of humanity to a place of how we can live wholesome lives based on God's design and not man's design. And that was a powerful power. That, that, by the way, that's Obama on the right-hand side on that outside of that door when he went there as well to experience that. So, so the whole idea is for us to understand that this door return is an opportunity after centuries of struggles to bring us back to a place where we all have this sense of freedom even though we are still enslaved. And you'll get more about that very later on. All right. So let's reflect then, because I've bypassed the First Baptist Church. Since 1826, we were birthed. Does anybody know when slavery was abolished by the British? It was 1833. Go do the math. We were birthed before slavery was abolished. But it was Canada, right, New France, that welcomed us. An elder Christian Washington and 11 other runaway slaves from Underground Railroad came inside the First Baptist Church. And they couldn't have their own church back then, so they had to, I mean, they couldn't be part of a church back then because they were runaway slaves in most of them, so they had to form their own church. And it was called Colored Calvinistic Baptist Church. Colored Calvinistic Baptist Church. And from 1826, 1841, they bought a piece of land, and guess where it was? It was St. Michael's Hospital. And that little corner block where St. Michael's Hospital is at Queen and Victoria, that little, that little spot right there is where First Baptist Church first had their first building in 1841. We moved to university at that point, and then we were called the, 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 the college, just the college Baptist Church then. And then we moved to uh, University Avenue, 1905, and then we moved in 1955, Dundas and Spadina, 101 Huron Street. We've been there ever since, and then we became First Baptist Church Toronto. Rich, rich heritage, and I'm very proud of that. But when I came there, I taught them to understand. We don't talk about, we don't, this is not a black church. This is a kingdom church about the message of Jesus to all of humanity. And how can we overcome that with our perspective rather than comparing each other? I love this diverse group we have right now. Let's, let's have a little di divergence in what's happening. Because black history didn't begin with slavery. Can I make it clear? Black history did not begin with history. Black history began in the Garden of Eden. Somebody say amen. 
And so did every history of us. It began when God made us in his unique, special image and called us good. We were made good in his eyes. And you were special. Look at somebody and say, you were special. You were special. Now, I know you got some, some of you all got some big lips and some of you all got some, you know, scanty eyes and some of you all hair is falling off. You know, I know that kind of stuff. But in the end, God sees you in the beauty of his own expression because you're beautiful in God's eyes. You absolutely are. So from Adam and Eve, God's dream for church is not that it's made up of people of all kinds of us because we are the expression of who God is in the beauty of this wonderful kaleidoscope of colors. Paul in Acts chapter 17 verse 26 puts it this way. Paul pointed out that God actually created all people, all nations, all ethos from everyone through Adam. Therefore, no race, people group, or nation has the right to look down upon another since God is the creator of all. Now let's go to the Old Testament quickly. The Old Testament then begins with this terminology because the people of Israel, as you know, they, they were given a special place in the creation story, right? To create a people for himself so he can bring Jesus out of the story. As a result, some people through the, the Exodus and, and finding the promised land, they couldn't fend for themselves. They couldn't work and, and earn a living. So what they had to do was to sell themselves as bond servants. But we translate a word into slaves. And as a result, we've enslaved people ever since because mankind took a biblical teaching and converted it to a translation to humankind so we can enslave another person and make them become slaves to another human being. That was not God's intent. Leviticus chapter 25 verse 39 says, And if thy brother that dwelleth by thee be waxen poor, and he sold unto thee, thou shalt not compel him to serve as a bond servant. The, the Hebrew word is ebed. And we took the Hebrew word ebed. And if you look at your NIV and your NASV and the others, you will see the word slave. If you look at the original Hebrew and the King James, I believe, you would see bondservant. In fact, you wouldn't find the word slave in the Old Testament. Because God was allowing it to happen not for the sake of usurping power and control over people. He was allowing it so he can have others have a living by volunteering their service to a family in this case. So, slave, most common and general word is bondservant, always indicating subjection without the idea of bondage, without the idea of being in chains, without the idea of being forced and separate from your families. A very, very familiar story why Black History Month matters. Not that we want to live there, but we must reflect. And same for people of Israel, same for the Israelis that we talk about the Holocaust over and over again. It's because humanity has perpetrated such evil against each other that we have to make sure we don't go back there. Let me just say that we're in a world of conflict right now. Middle East, Russia, Ukraine, and we are focused so much on just those right now. But do you know there's over 40, over 40 conflicts of war in the world right now? Most of them in Africa like Sudan, like Congo, that is in genocide forever, and nobody's paying attention. It took a civil rights movement in the 60s to have a man killed by Martin Luther King Jr. We had to kill him to identify that there was a need for people who were supposed to be free since 1833, that they had to fight and they were dogged, they were hosed down, they were mutilated, they were raped, they were killed. And how dare we say they were slave masters? 
That's a term that you should never use again. Anybody who rapes, kill, pimmage, genocide, murder, steal from people and not masters, they are murderers, they are rapists, they are evil in God's eyes. Now don't get me wrong, and I'm not here to make you, think, make you feel guilty, but we better feel guilty when someone perpetrates evil against somebody else, doesn't matter what the color is. Justice is for all, not for a few. And how dare we now not identify that we are really caught up in this evil world today of genocide. And what better people group there is, regardless of our own racism within ourselves, what better people group in this world today that can say, we've been there, we understand the plight, and we don't have to have hate, we can have love. We don't have to have unforgiveness, we can have forgiveness. We don't have to war, we can have peace. And I'm saying right now, between Palestinians and Israelis, between Russians and Ukrainians, oh, hallelujah, God's people can come together and say, we can show the peace and the love of God. Look around you right now and see the expression of God's people. I am sure there's people here from all parts of the world, and we're here together because of God's love. And maybe we can get past the past move forward in the future for what God is saying. Let me move on because Deuteronomy, Leviticus chapter 25, you can read it for yourself there. Deuteronomy 20, 23 verse 15, slaves, bond servants in the, in the Old Testament were to give themselves for service for, to, to earn a living, but they were also to be freed. They were to be freed always. By the seventh year, they were to be freed or by the year of Jubilee, which is the 50th year in Israel. They were all to be freed no matter what the circumstances were because they were never in bondage. It was a volunteer and that's what bond servant and slavery is all about. But unfortunately, our story differs because we were forced and divided and hurt. But the good story is, it was you here very well much so that shares in the story like Wilberforce that helped in the journey. It was, it was the Caucasian leaders in, in Toronto, New France in 1826 who helped First Baptist Church got established like St. James Church. So it's not the hate that I'm talking about. It's the love inside of God's kingdom that allows us to rise up together and be equal no matter what our differences are. So I want to jump to you because of my time here to this story of, of Jesus in the Romans chapter 6 story. We'll see in the New Testament that Jesus is speaking loud and clear about this idea of slavery. In the New Testament, the Greek word is doulos. And the Greek word here in Romans chapter 6, you will see very clearly, is that we have been challenged to this very day now in the New Testament, that you really are slaves. We are slaves. I am still a slave. And you are still a slave. But ah, let's see what it says, because my sister just read it earlier on, but we are slaves to righteousness. Jesus puts it this way, because the Old Testament slavery was about human treatment, humane, inhumane treatment. It was about... A freeing slaves only for the fact that God demanded it during the year of Jubilee. It wasn't lifelong slavery that was meant to be in the Old Testament. But when Jesus comes along, John chapter 15 verse 15 puts it this way. I, Jesus speaking, no longer call you servants. In the New Testament, we see the word slave again. But it's not slave, it's servants. The word doulos is a servant. Just like the word ebed in the, in the Hebrew is, is bond servant. In the New Testament, doulos is servant. We are to serve each other. 
So Jesus makes it very clear because he comes on the scene in the New Testament. And by the way, it's only Jesus can split time. Isn't that true? Jesus took B.C. and A.D. right in the middle and we start counting when Jesus came on the scene. Somebody say amen. He's the only one that can split time. Hallelujah, somebody. And he comes in the first century and he establishes something unique other than what the Old Testament was teaching. He was teaching a new way that all of us were created equal to be servants unto him. And this is what he says in John 15, verse 15. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. (laughs) Instead, I have called you friends. We shouldn't look down on anyone for all of us have sinned according to Romans 3.23. And all are forgiven, according to Romans 3.16. And let's read a very powerful verse, because Jesus goes on to add a couple more verses. And in Romans chapter 6, verse 18 through Paul, he says, We have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. We have been set free from sin and we have become slaves to righteousness. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I came back from my trips in Ghana and Nigeria and Rwanda. I'm going back again this summer. All right. And I learned over there, their plight is the same as ours. What we all want is just a sense of identity and equality in this world we're living in today. And the suffering and the pain that we're seeing, thank God, in this nation of Canada, we've been set free. We're a great nation where everybody's running for what we have today. But there's something greater because it's temporal. It certainly is, and I believe we're in a prophetic time. And I believe why it's temporal, because Jesus Christ has to come back through that door of no return. And he's got to come back to creation and come back to us and return us unto himself. In Romans chapters uh, 8, and, sorry, in um, Galatians three twenty-six verse 28, a very familiar passage. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you have been baptized into Christ. You hear the word? Baptized. Romans 6 echoes the same thing. Galatians 3 and Paul is saying the same thing again. Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free. In this case, it's bond nor free. Nor is there male nor female, for you are all one in Christ. Hallelujah, somebody. Amen? The one thing we have in common is the blood of Jesus. And how unique that is, that that blood is red. And, you know, I'm a crazy pastor, so sometimes I do crazy stuff in church. So if I had a chance to, you know, take a knife and cut your wrist. But we won't demonstrate it here at, at Knox. At First Baptist, we might. <laughs> but at Knox, we wouldn't. But I want you just to imagine for a second now that this Jesus, when they cut him, when they dragged him and beat him, when they poked him, and put nails through his hands. I want you to put yourself in his place. And I want to ask you a simple question. What would come out of you if it was you? Doesn't matter where you've come from, what your ethnic background is, doesn't matter what your gender is, doesn't matter your status in life. If they hung you on a cross and did exactly what they did to Jesus, what would come out of you? The blood. We just sang about it. It's about the blood of Jesus. And as I wrap it up now, I just want to leave you with this much. In this Black History Month, it's not just about a black people. It's about God's people. It's about White History Month, Caucasian History Month, Chinese History Month, Spanish History Month. It's about all of God's creation. And God is looking down. He's not looking down at just a month. He's looking down at life, at all of us that he created. 
And I want you to just know we are brothers and sisters because of the blood of Jesus. Because of the blood of Jesus. Don't get caught up in the rhetoric that the world is trying to paint. Stay focused that you're a slave to Jesus. Amen? You are bonded to him. And because we are tied, because of what he has done for all of us. When I was leaving, one of the epithets on the, uh, on the tombstones that was there at Elmina Castle, it reads this. Everlasting memory of the anguish of our ancestors. May those who died rest in peace. May those who return find their roots. May humanity never again perpetrate such injustice against humanity. We the living. Say with me. Say we the living. Vow to uphold this. We the living vow to uphold this for all people groups. So may God set Ukraine and Russia free from war. May God set Israel and Palestinians from war. May God set all of Africa from war and genocide. And may God set us free because of the blood of the Lamb through his son Jesus Christ. Whom he has set free is? It is Martin Luther King who put it this way. Martin Luther King says it very clearly. I need my glasses to read this one. Is it on the slide? Love is the only force capable of transforming an enemy into a friend. It's the love of God that has set us free. Amen? Father, I just pray a blessing on us today of the story that we've on in this journey together for my own story as well, but you're an awesome God because you brought us together for a time such as this in 2024 when the history of the world will show the evil and the hate that has been perpetrated, not just against blacks, but against all of humanity in some shape or form. We acknowledge this month not just for ourselves, but for a peace that will reign on this earth as we're seeing the suffering before us today. I pray for peace in my brother and sister's lives today that in their own personal lives, in their homes, in the community, wherever they serve, that you allow them to be beacons of hope, love, and peace in the world of hate and strife and war. We look for the Prince of Peace to come. Lord, in the meantime, we occupy with the grace of God. And we ask for your blessings now in Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen and amen. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. All right. So I leave you with a couple of pondering questions, all right? And they're very simple, okay, based on what I've just shared with you, all right? How free are you today? How free are you today? Because if you are enslaved to sin, I ask you how free today. If you're given to temptations and and don't obey the commands of God, how free are you today? And then my second question is this. Are you enslaved to Christ? Are you enslaved to Christ? I leave those thoughts with you. God bless you.